Welcome to How We Hire, a podcast by Alva Labs. With me, Tove Handel. And me, Linnea Bivan. This show is for all of you who hire or just find recruitment interesting. Every episode, we will speak to thought leaders from across the globe to learn from their experiences and best practice within hiring, building teams, and growing organizations. Hi, and welcome everyone to another episode of How We Hire with me, Tove. And Milenia. Yay! Today we are guested by Stephanie Darville. Stephanie, would you like to introduce yourself? Yes, sure. And thank you for having me. So I'm uh, Steph Darville. I'm originally from the UK, but been living in Sweden for about five years now. And I am the co-founder and COO at Align, um, which is a learning platform based here in Sweden as well. Nice. And what's your like focus within your role? Obviously, as co-founder, you have a lot of focus areas, I'm guessing. But within Align, like, what is it that you find the most exciting about doing what you do? Yeah, I mean, often it's more what I don't do rather than what I do do with being a co-founder. I don't do the developing. That's my wonderful CTO that does that. But my background is in international management and business strategy. And then I specialized in consumer insights and market research. So that's really interpreting consumer behavior and making sure product and business development is rooted in what people want rather than best guesses from management. So I'm normally the voice of the customer in the company and trying to make sure everything we do with our our learning app is actually um, based on data rather than best guesses. Um, I do a lot of the operations, naturally being the COO, and quite a lot of the internal business, internal strategy. So we have three co-founders and we tend to split it, myself and Innocent, who are the both business co-founders. We split it. He does a little bit more external, so bringing people into the alliance sphere. And then I'm the one that kind of gets them across the finish line as such mm-hmm. and make sure that our clients are happy. Just out of like curiosity, given like learning platform seemed like super relevant with the last few years, like focus on upskilling, reskilling. What would you say? How did you realize this is a space that needs focus? Yeah, I think we all actually, a lot of our, I mean, the three co-founders came from experience in it from ourselves, but for everyone to know, the line, what we're doing is providing more equitable learning opportunities. Mm. And by that, we realized that there was so much learning, reskilling, upskilling happening mm. that people hadn't gone to a specific university or a specific, you know, online course that was very, you know, well-regarded. Or often people had been to university, but it wasn't the university that hiring managers wanted mm. and they wouldn't get that validation or they wouldn't actually be able to have that career development because of the you know the, the biases that there are in terms of mm. a lot of education institutions and so we realized all this learning is happening but it's not being captured that's why we created a line and it's not trying to replace universities or you know compete with you know, there's some great learning management systems that even companies use. And that's more about, you know, spreading knowledge within the company about the company. Um, Mm. But at the same time, there's so much curiosity in the company where people are learning from articles and podcasts and videos and and online courses and everything in between, but it's not structured. So it's really hard to find and you get lost in the abyss of Slack or Teams messages, but it's often not tied or aligned your learning goals. That's why we're right. aligned because we're aligning online learning activity with your goals. And so that's why we develop the app and the platform that we have that it brings learning into a structured place, ties it to your goals. And above all, you get the proof of it, which also helps mm. you in your career development. And managers mm. can see what people are interested in um, mm. rather than 
very uninspiring, you know, six month performance reviews where you have one conversation and it often then gets forgotten for another six months. Right. I mean, this is super interesting given that we are focusing mainly at least on like recruitment in this podcast, like obviously super eager to hear what's your take on like the focus on learning development or more perhaps like education background as a Mm -hmm. demand in hiring. I think you can't be too strict in having to have this. The whole mission that we say is that, you know, if you have a connection, then you can be learning. You don't have to have those financial, geographical, cultural barriers. I think it's very important to see how people have learned in the past, but ultimately Mm. that is in the past. And just because I've done it in the past doesn't mean I want to carry on doing it in the future. So Mm. it's nice to understand where is the baseline But when you are hiring, the most important thing is, okay, what are your goals for the future? And how can we be part of that? Because just because someone, you know, we had someone that had, that worked with us who had um, been a chef for 20 years and very successful chef, and then had decided to move into front-end development. So if I looked at, you know, his education, he's been to one of the best chefing schools in, in the UK. But what does that matter to our learning platform? Well, actually, right. there's a lot of transferable skills, great leadership skills and time management. <laughs> you know, you can learn a lot of time management from chefs. So it's also <laughs> about, OK, this is your background, but where are you headed in the future? And, and there right. are a lot of transferable skills. Whereas mm. if you've gone through, you know, there is a risk with AI as well. If they just, you know, tag the words or if you'd actually just process yeah. that CV through, it would have been seen as completely irrelevant. But actually, right. Yeah. They're an excellent addition to the team. Yeah. We have similar examples of people with like, you know, ex-professional dancers, ex-interior like designers that are now working with like completely different things because they, as you said, like wanted to change things. And by not focusing too much on the past, it was mm-hmm. actually possible to do so. I think that's it's more about motivation than uh than perhaps mm. what you've done in the past and more yeah. so like the yeah. knowledge you bring with you. It takes people out from the boxes that society keeps wanting to put people in specific boxes and right. kind of the whole stay in your lane mentality. Mm. And actually, you know, you don't have to just have one career. You don't have to have one mission in life. A lot of other places. But I mean, given your focusing on the future more so than the background, how have you hired for your own company? What are your the tricks up your sleeve to find the people that doesn't, you know, necessarily just look perfect on paper, but that mm-hmm. have the potential to grow with you and your company. Yeah, I think for us, it's happened quite organically. So we're a startup as well. So we're, you know, still growing, um, still mm. growing the team and, and developing our our ways of working. But we have worked with a lot of interns across the 18 months. And I actually mm. um, was invited into a a part of an accelerator program called Sting and I was invited to talk about how do we work with talent and how do we keep and retain talent mm. um, because they'd recognize that so I pulled up some mm. figures and we've actually had 30 people work with us uh, mm. and they're from 27 nationalities um, between wow. the 30 people and based in 10 cities so you know if we'd been really stuck on you have to be living in Stockholm and you have to right. go to this Swedish university for us to you know even consider you And we wouldn't have got the sort of varied and like completely diverse Mm. perspectives that we have in the Mm. company. So Mm. I think for us, it's more about like, look at what people have done, but I try to just glance over a CV and then get to the interview stage very quickly because 
there are some people that, you know, are amazing on paper and then you speak to them and you realize it's probably not a good fit for each other just mm. because we can't offer the right opportunities that you want. And so mm. it is, it's not a one-way street. You know, we have mm. to be a good fit for them just as much as they are for us. So I try to sort of get into the interview stage and I have a bit more of a relaxed approach especially with interns because it's more about a conversation how well can we work together I don't need to sit Mm. with this structured list of questions but tell me about yourself and where do you want to go or what do you want to learn in the future how is learning important to you Mm. so I always try and drive it like bring it down to the fact of okay what story do they want to be able to tell you know in one year's time and that's Mm. obviously we hope to be able to keep and the best talent with us, but naturally working with interns and they're very open with that. And so are we, that they're coming in and they, you know, they've probably retrained or reskilled a lot of our interns are reskilling right. from previous profession. So this is their first work experience in their new career and they mm. are applying for full-time paid jobs and that's the end goal. And that's the story. Mm. And so the story they want to be able to tell is that, you know, I've owned this project at a line or I implemented this, you know, area of development, I led this strategy. And so really find out, okay, what story do you want to be able to tell and how can we help you get there rather than just going in and, you know, how can you serve us? I love the fact that you see yourself as a like stepping board rather than the necessarily like long-term commitment we're going to retain at any cost, but more like, how can we, how can we borrow you and make you better Mm -hmm. moving forward? And you can at the same time, make us better. That's really, really nice. So what has been key to make this a success? Because I guarantee there's a lot of challenges. There have been a lot of challenges. And I think it's also about managing expectations on both ways. So right. sometimes we've had interns and you know longer term team members as well, but sometimes interns will stay with us for a month. And mm. because they've got this, you know, thanks to having that experience and you know, we always provide the references for them got this full-time paid job and it's their dream job you have to be nothing but happy of course you're really proud of them but as a manager then you think okay what's going to happen with the project and how do we make sure that we can you know get that project also across the finish line so I think for me I sort of changed my mentality a little bit and just to expect okay some people are going to find their dream jobs and they're going to go so that's why I'm a bit of a pain in the butt for some people in the company because I like to have a central source of knowledge. I know you guys use Notion a lot and so do I. And so I'm very sort of strict on like, let's just make sure everything's there. So if you do get your dream job and you have to leave quite quickly, cool, we are so happy for you and we're so proud of you, but it's not going to be, you know, at the expense of the company's operations. They can still carry on rolling over as well. Um, Mm -hmm. So I think, I think that's one of the biggest challenges and also how many people we bring in. When you get such a talented people, you're like, yeah, I want to bring them all in because they're, yeah. you know, also, it's also a, it's a very win-win scenario because they've studied in one area and now they want to put it into practice. But right. as I said, they want to use us as a platform. So they also want to, you know, be able to use us for their portfolio and, you know, get that next step mm. in their career, which is mm. great. But you just need to sort of bear in mind that how many people are you going to bring in because we need to be able to give them time and energy to help them train and help them get those learning opportunities. What is crucial to be successful in is to some extent like onboarding. How do you make sure that you get those people up to speed as fast as possible? So even if you just have them for a couple of weeks, they can still create value and get something out of it. 
know you guys talk about it a lot, but I think the onboarding process is so important. And, mm-hmm. and a lot of people are under the false pretense that just bring talented people in and then everything yeah. will work its way yeah. out. That's not the way it happens because even the most talented person, if you don't give them that knowledge, they can't right. work with it. So we have, and I always say this to also other startups who say, you know, we don't need to have that much structure or like, wow, you guys document way like structured as if you're like 150 people. You don't need to do that. It's like, right. yeah, but this makes my life one easier. And it also helps every team member that comes in with us, whether they're an mm. intern or a full-time employee. So the onboarding, you know, structure and strategy we've created as if we're 50 people, even if we're, you know, 10 or 15 people because you're never too early stage to set these kind of structures up because you're going to always develop it. So I think the onboarding process is really important. And ultimately, you know, especially if you have interns, you know, almost their entire process will be an onboarding. Pro- onboarding. Yeah. And that's also okay because sometimes they'll stay with you for three months and that's how long an onboarding process should be at an absolute minimum, maybe six right. months. So it's also about like, I think it's about just being open and honest and, yeah. you know, having transparency in the information. Uh, yeah. Some people think you should have like these you know, blocks or barriers and even with employees. But I've heard a lot of people say, especially for interns, that other people, previous people that have worked with us have come in. They're like, wow, I can really see everything that the tech team's doing, even though I'm working on the social media campaigns. Mm. Like, yeah, of course you could. And mm. in previous mm. companies, they haven't been able to. It's just, this is one page that you're allowed to see. But if I don't have the full picture, then I can't work, you know, in a well-rounded way either. That's such a good point. So if you were to like give some pointers on how you would like hire interns in a successful way, what would that look like? Look in many different ways. Don't just tap into your own network because ultimately mm. if you talk about if you talk about you wanting to be diverse and have different perspectives, right. you can't just use your network because you're owning yeah. it around yourselves as similar people. And my previous background was in market research. And so, you know, we always used to have it drilled into us. Your sample size, if you're going to do any research or a survey, for example, it can't just be, you know, people that are age 25 to 30 living in Stockholm in a certain right. age group, a, um, yeah. a certain wage group because then you're only going to get one perspectives and one mm. set of opinions, which doesn't reflect the entire, you know, country or the entire, you know, industry. And mm. so that's the same when I think about like hiring interns or hiring employees, look mm. outside, look at different platforms, have your ads on several different platforms to bring right. people in, mm. but also don't set the bar super, super high because you're also working with interns. And so when you're hiring a full-time employee, there is a big risk of the company because it's a permanent employee. And right. rightly so, they are very protected by the Swedish laws. With an intern, there is, you know, it's more of a risk for them than it is for us because, you know, they're risking, you know, investing their time and sort right. of all their learning and applying that into us. So don't have like five interview processes and mm. this huge task that's going to take them a week to do ultimately just say, you know, let's try it for a month. And, you know, mm. if it works, then, you know, but we can have an open conversation at the end of the first right. month and say, it does this feel right to you? Is this a right fit for you? Yes. And we think this is great. Maybe we mm. can focus more on this project. So I'd say like, open up your, you know, your net, widen your net as much as possible. Yeah. And also don't, ultimately you can't demand a certain amount of years of experience um, mm. if you're bringing in 
intense. So yeah. don't try and look for, are oh, they not experienced enough? Look yeah. at, are they motivated enough? Do they have that energy that they're going to, you know, they want to improve themselves. They want to learn. They're upskilling mm. themselves. So mm. look more about at their energy and motivation than their experience. That's a really good. So expand your network and focus more on like the person rather than like the background. Both will help with like diversity. And I really like like the the transparency and setting like expectations. Mm-hmm. What would you say is like the biggest pitfall when it comes to hiring interns or bringing in interns? I think the biggest pitfall could be naturally there's quite a high turnover. So it's quite, yeah. you know, there's quite a quick turnover. Or, you right. know, as I said, we've had 30 people and the benefit is that now we have very, you know, being an early stage startup, we have a lot of ambassadors in different companies that are putting us in connections and, you know, yeah. setting up client meetings. And, yeah. you know, that we say they never truly leave us. We just, we have an, a line extended team on our Slack. And so everyone just moves into that group. So that's the good thing. The pitfall is that we've been very successful, at, you know, being recognized as a good company to work for. And so, mm-hmm. and, and also providing as much support and connections and references as we can. But that means that people, everyone that's worked with us has found a full-time paid employment, which is mm-hmm. amazing. Um, but that amazing. turnover and I guess consistency. At Alva, we've used interns to some extent, not as much as you have. I think our way to think about it is more like we tend to not bring in like interns if we don't think that we at some point will hire them. That has been our goal. So the people that we have brought in, a lot of them have actually, you know, received job either part-time or full-time with us. But I think we have for that reason, like tried to make it a more long-term, long-term commitment, but also therefore invest like more effort in the hiring process. We actually like mirror our traditional process a little bit more, Mm -hmm. but also like to your point, keep it a little bit shorter. One thing I think has worked well is that we have tried to do like coaching sessions. Like when we have decided like, yes, let's move into this together. So like like, come on board Alva and do your internship. We have tried to have like current interns or other employees do a coaching session of like, okay, based on, you know, what we know about you and what we know about the company, how can you make the most of your time here? How can we support, you know, what is, how can you use your strengths? How can you, what do you need to look out for? And so forth to kind of give them a quick route in, I guess, uh, which has been, I hope good, but highly appreciated at least. I don't know. I think we think about it a little bit more long-term and therefore do it slightly different. But I, I love, I'm going to steal some of your pointers. Steal them with pride. I think <laughs> I <will. laughs> you need to. <laughs> I think the process that you have is really good. And I think as well, like we initially set out with that idea as well. And ultimately we want to be hiring many of our right. interns. But then we kind of, you know, had to have a certain level of humility of like, we're an early stage startup that you right. know, is also raising investment. So, you mm. know, okay, we can't hire, you know, 30 people right now. That's not something that, you know, an early stage startup can do right off the bat. No. But right. can we offer a good experience for these people who will then yeah. stay, you know, as ambassadors who will get a good experience mm. with us? And then yeah. hopefully, and we say very openly, even with our first ever intern who was there pretty much from the very beginning, she's now working for a very good um, agency in UX. And we always joke with her, like, you're coming back, you know, go <laughs> forth and prosper. But we, you know, come and knock on our door in three years time once you have all of this knowledge. So mm, right. we also do... We hope that there'll be like a full circle and, you know, people will also mm. come back and say, hey, I was with you from the beginning. And now you're, you know, really expanding your team. 
I mean, mm. the same way Alva has, you get yeah, yeah. so much very yeah. quickly. I love how that can really turn into a, as you said, like diverse, but a network that you can make your future hires like way more efficient because you have that like group of people in your back pocket that you can like call and reach out to. That's super nice. One thing I would like to like zoom in on is because you mentioned that you have like people believe that you are a good company to work for. I mean, early startup, super difficult because you have no brand recognition, super hard to attract candidates. Like what have like three most important things that you have done to create that reputation? Oh, big question. I guess it'd be different depending on who you asked, right? I can give my impression, but ultimately uh, the people that have come in can probably answer it better. I think one is focusing on them as well, focusing on their mm. learning opportunities. So mm. really been in, there is a bad rep with, with interns. And I've also been the intern that, you know, is kind of taken advantage of and just brought in right. to do the dirty work that no one wants to do. So being very open with them about the situation and saying, you know, this is what we can offer. This is what we can't offer. People have appreciated that. Everyone's an adult. So give them the knowledge and they can decide what to do with it. Also, I guess it's really hard to pick just three. Um, <laughs> you can pick but, more, that's fine. <laughs> um, but as I said, like, you know, looking widely um, where people are coming from and also asking for the recommendation. So a lot of people have been studying and, you know, they have a three to six mm. month internship as part of their studies. And mm-hmm. um, so mm-hmm. then we've got the contact with their, you know, course organizer and said, hey, like we're, this person's time is coming to an end, but what about next year's one? Because we clearly see that your students are, are very skilled. So also build out the network and the recognition mm. that way. So it's also, I try to make sure that it's not just take my word for it. So hear from other interns or I put mm. them together. And also if someone is unsure about what they, you know, how this um, situation will be or how will the environment be, we'll sit down and ask with someone that has worked in that area or try and have some element of a handover within that. That's some of the ideas. Does, was that mm. three? <laughs> maybe two and a half so if you yeah, want to include maybe. one more so loud but or we can just say but two, it sounds like then like treating those people as like grown-ups giving them opportunities to learn and then like expand networks I guess that will be three right yeah I guess so yeah because I mean there's also like a big recruitment trend which is leveraging internal mobility and alumni so mm. also work with that way remember and I said before, remember what story they want to tell and what story do you yeah. want to tell. Yeah. And so ultimately it's about, you know, when you go into the market, are you going to be proud of the story that you're telling um, about every experience you can offer and every experience that you have, mm. like other people have had. So mm. just remember the story, be transparent and humble about it. Um, yeah. And also try and get those recommendations on from it and yeah, humanize all the touch points and all the experience that you have. I want to, I mean, I'm a big advocate for mental health and being you destigmatizing mm. in the workplace and I do see people I do see management being more empathetic but you know we're human so let's just take down that whole facade and the mask that we've been told right. we have to put on in the workplace and actually have a you know human to human conversation the alumni bit is I think super important a very wise person my mom once said <laughs> that like you don't really get to know what kind of company you work for until you leave that company. And I think that is like such a good point. If you have a, can leave with that strong story that will create such a big impact on how you tell your story, how you interact with others and what that means for 
you never know who that person know. She's a very wise woman because that's she very is. true. As soon as you say like, I mean, if you leave and there are a lot of stories where people are treated so well and then they say they're going to leave and, you know, they're almost kicked out the door, you yeah. know, an hour later. The And this is also like a psychological thing in terms of consumer mm. behavior. With every experience we have, the mind remembers the most significant moment is the ending of any journey. Right. And mm. so when I used to speak about customer journeys, you can do everything perfect. But if you end that journey on yeah. a bad note, they're mm. going to remember their entire experience as bad. Mm. And so bring that into also your hiring practices. You know, mm. you can offer the best experience ever, but the ending wasn't great. Or a lot of times they just faded away and it's kind of, okay, right. bye. <laughs> their mind, you know, and that's a scientific thing. Their mind is just going to associate that entire experience. It could be four years with mm. a negative note or a negative, right. you know, sort of sour taste in their mouth because of mm. the way you ended it. So also, yeah. you know, do yourself a favor and, care about the endings. I think that's so important. And we actually had an internal discussion about this related to turning candidates down in the process. We have really tried to make a big deal that this is something that you know, everyone should have feedback within like a decent amount of time and that should be like personal and relevant. But we have had this discussion of like, okay, is it the recruiter that gives that feedback? Because if you've gone like far into the process, very often you haven't had contact with the recruiter for, you know, some time. Last person you met was a hiring manager. But so our philosophy was that the person that you last interacted with was the one that should give the feedback. But the challenge we ran into was that sometimes the hiring manager would miss that. And then that would create a worse experience than if you talk to someone that was less relevant to talk to. But I think we still have like tons to learn. I was going to say, what did you decide to do in the end? What is um, the I think structure well, look like now? I think the structure right now is that like whatever creates the least friction. So the, the rule of thumb is still like the hiring manager is the one that makes that call, but that it's the recruiter that's like responsible for it, like make sure that it happens. So mm-hmm. If the recruiter sees like, okay, this is taking too much time, they're not going to do it. Or for some reason, they wouldn't do it well. I don't know what that would be. But then it's on the recruiter to make sure that at least every candidate has a decent closing of the process. Stephanie, from your, I mean, it sounds like you focused a lot on employer brand already with Align, considering like you're growing this network of interns and you're calling them ambassadors and you have like a Slack group for people who actually have already left, which is also fabulous to just keep in contact with everyone and make sure that they feel that connection. Filling with pride. Yes. (laughs) Take it, take it. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) But from that entrepreneurial standpoint, because a lot of people don't start with that that early, is there anything else that you feel that you have done at Align that other companies should start with a lot earlier than they Mm. might be thinking of doing because employer brand feels like something that comes like way down the line after you should have thought about this like a year ago and then you start oh god now we have a terrible employer brand now we have to think about that too so is there anything else like that that you've done early that you feel like other people should really do this too and yes a lot of people say you know you don't need to deal with it until later but kind of you know, excuse my French, you know, if you have to deal with it when shit's hit the fan, then you're dealing with it way too late. And there's a lot of cleaning up that you have to do. Whereas just lay down the groundwork now. And Mm. trust me, it saves you. I mean, I set up our onboarding process when we were three co-founders and one intern. So everyone was like, 
They're like, you okay? Like you should be running sales. Like this is not important right now. And I was like, trust me, let me just take like a couple of weeks to focus on this and right. then it's going to be done. And then I can yeah. just focus on everything else. And we, I just have to update it. Mm. And a lot of people really thought I was crazy. And now with the responses we get with our team members that come in, they're like, oh, this is so structured. And like, yeah, but I did that almost a year ago now. I just yeah. update it every now and then. So, so I just I laugh think- and be like, who's crazy now? <laughs> yeah, exactly. What's the phrase? Like it's first they call you crazy and then they want to copy you. So now I'm yeah. like, okay, now you want to copy. But I mean, I also have a fact bank or industry trend bank because you know, especially in the company that we're in and we're talking about learning, we find so many stats and we read a lot of articles. Right. And so, you know, having that bank, which makes it a lot easier, even for small things like social media, like, oh, we should post something or like we should knowledge share. Oh, here's the fact bank. Just Mm. have a look at the interesting articles here. Um, But I think, yeah, you're never too early to start doing something and it doesn't have to be this huge, you know, this video blockbuster movie doing the onboarding process, just have a checklist and have like a message saying, hi, welcome. Here's the checklist. Here's Mm. who you should speak to. If you have a question about X, because a lot of people come in, especially if it's remote now, you don't get those social triggers of, you know, someone looks a little bit lost and not everyone's going to reach out and ask the right question. And, you know, they might just end up sitting confused behind their desk for, you know, two days without anyone knowing. And also, I mean, we're a learning company and obviously uh, aligned with tested a lot of things that we're now, you know, working with clients or selling to clients. Mm, so mm. Also, don't be afraid to like, you know, test the processes you want. Like I found it really shocking that, you know, they talk about the great resignation and, you know, now we're having a wave. And I like to use a, a bit of a, a double entendre, a double meaning to the great resignation in that some people will be resigning from their roles. But right. then also there is a huge risk of a lot of people becoming resigned to their role as well, where mm-hmm. they just become complacent and they don't push themselves to achieve more because they just think, okay, this is how it's going to be. And that's also mm. almost a bigger risk to have in your company as well. Mm. I think it's like, so like Richard Branson that said, you know, train people well enough so that they can leave, but treat them well enough that they don't mm. want to. Sounds like something my mom could say. I know. Let's just oh, let's good. just quote her as well. Rich, we don't need Sir Richard to do it. Your mom would say that. <laughs> but I read something yesterday actually that was really interesting. That it was a study that McKinsey said McKinsey did, and they found that forty percent of employees are planning to quit their job, or yeah. they're at least somewhat likely to leave their job within the next three to six months. Yeah, and of those people, sixty-four percent of them will do it without having another job like Mm. lined up already Mm. and Mm. so people are going to be leaving so offer them the right opportunities because like you know if not they're going to leave so I think a lot of employees should you know sometimes people respond better to fear or hope but right now you know a lot of employees should be fearful of losing their their best talent I think this is such a good pointer if I interpret a little bit of what you say is that like the employer brand work that you have done has not necessarily been videos to send out to the world and big marketing campaigns, but rather like treat people decently and they will share their stories. And, you know, that's tactical being a startup, but also much nicer approach. Have things structured and treat people like how you want to be treated. And then things will happen because of that. Because also like they're going to go into their new company and their new company is going to say, 
where did you work before? And they might say that story to 30 different people in their new company. Yeah, yeah. And if it's like, I went to the startup and it was terrible. They just, you know, treated me really badly. It was really unstructured. It was very chaotic. I had no access yeah. to information. People are going to, you know, those 30 people will then maybe tell someone yeah. else. So yeah. also bear in mind that, you know, everyone's word has a lot of power. So I think like related to employer branding and just like sharing my experience from it. Like I've been here for three years. We're now like a company of like 80 plus people. We have basically done like zero employer branding work because, and I always freak out when I think about it because I'm like, I'm not doing my job. But then I try to calm myself down with like, that's the approach that you just mentioned that I would much more prefer to focus on the people that we have on board and make sure that they have what they need and spend more time with them rather than doing fancy slides. But I'd also say, like you say, you haven't done any employer branding. I think you've done a lot of employer branding. You just haven't created or you haven't followed a textbook of employer branding and created this super shiny side and super shiny slides. But you've done a lot of employer branding because you focused on who you are as an employer. Uh, yeah. How do you work with people? How do people work with you? Um, mm-hmm. And so, and that's much more important because you see a lot of big companies doing um, employer branding and they have this really nice site saying how great it is to work for them and pictures of, you know, very diverse workforce. And then <laughs> you go in and you're like, oh, those were stock pictures. <laughs> this isn't what I see here. So yeah, it's more important to start internally, whereas I see yeah. way too many companies focus on their like how they are perceived outwards and they don't yeah. quite take care of the people in their house. Yeah. And again, like circling back to that number you shared with like 40 percent interested in leaving for another job, I think that will probably not be evenly distributed across the market. I mean, no. some companies are going to retain the majority of their talent and others are going to lose more than 40 percent yeah exactly and i think as well like the risk uh people are feeling bit, like starting to feel quite fearful and starting to feel the risk of losing their jobs as well and so they start yeah. looking for others so if yeah. you don't have that transparent basis right. where you give as much information to all of your employees they're gonna assume things and you know silence is sometimes a bit more worrying than actually just having the information So Stephanie, considering like the great resignation and everything that's going on right now, what do you see as the future work? How's your like trend perception? (laughs) My trend perception. Mm -hmm. My trend perception is that soon every company will be using a line because it really shows uh, (laughs) how they work with learning. (laughs) Obviously. Um, Exactly. You know, but I think the future of work is going to be much more employee driven, rightly so. It's an employee market now. And the more people and especially the younger generations that are coming in, they're going to be very demanding. And it's very much like either Mm. you offer me these learning opportunities or I will leave. Um, It's no longer a, you know, a negotiable element. So I think the future work will be, you know, much more dynamic, much more, you know, the remote will definitely be here to stay. The, you know, working from anywhere will be here to stay, but also making sure that the employers kind of have to serve the employees now and actually, you know, keep their finger on the pulse and what do our team members need and want from us? Um, Mm. And it can't be this top-down approach um, Mm. anymore. It has to be driven by bottom-up initiatives. Mm. How do individuals want to learn and how does that tie into company goals rather than these are company goals and this is how you need to learn. And I think the companies that think that re-upskilling, 
you know, or even onboarding or certain hiring processes are fluffy or are nice to have, they're not going to be around for too much longer if they continue with that mentality. Um, yeah. So they, I hope that the future of work will also be a lot more empathetic and, and human. So there'll be much more open conversations as they are starting to have now about, you know, health and wellness. And yeah. that includes mental and physical health, but it also includes mm. having a sense of belonging. The most important things to individuals is having a sense of belonging and feeling valued at their job. And that's mm. much more than any other sort of element in their job description. You know what's going to happen now, right? Like people that listen to this are going to sneak in as interns to align to see what you guys are doing and then yep. like secretly go back to their real jobs and be like, hey, now I know what we're going to do. <laughs> That's fine. Please email me. Just reach out. I'm okay with that. Because what you just said is there's going to be really curious and talented people flocking towards yes. us. Yes. So I don't see any negative right now. <laughs> <laughs> we'll send them your way. <laughs> Please <Perfect>. do. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us, Stephanie. Thank you all for listening to this episode of How We Hire. And Lilinia, look forward to having you with us next time. 